Welcome to the show. This is the inaugural episode of the Compete Clarity Podcast, the show that aims to make some sense of CI, bringing novices and newcomers the actionable advice they need to make an impact fast with their Compete program. Joining us today on the podcast is influential author, speaker, and all-around Compete wizard, Fuad Benyou. Fuad is currently Director of Competitive Strategy at Everbridge. He has over a decade of experience in competitive intelligence and is also the author of the Competitive Intelligence Playbook, How to Build, Manage, and Optimize a Competitive Intelligence Program. So, without further ado, join me in welcoming Fuad Benyou. So, to kick things off, would you like to give people a sense of your background, how you first got into competitive intelligence, and where the journey all began for you? I started, let's say, in the energy industry. It was in natural gas, uh, international sales, let's say. And uh, I was naturally doing analysis for the market, as well as for the competition. I was, I didn't know that it was competitive intelligence. I didn't know that it was a thing. So, I was doing it anyway for Italian markets. We were selling natural gas, things like that. And uh, I came across an article talking about competitive intelligence. And I was like, okay, that exists. So among all the things I was doing in my role as a market analyst, that was the thing that I wanted to do. I liked to do that. And even delivering outputs on who were our competitors, who, who was playing in our uh, uh, playground or something like that, that was something that really excited me. So this is how it started. So I decided to just leave the company. I went to France and did a master's degree in competitive intelligence and international business development. So it was always the link between intelligence and business. So competitive intelligence, how we can leverage it to help companies to develop uh, internationally or even domestically. I was in, in different area after that, but this is how I found myself doing competitive intelligence. And from there, I mean, it's been like 18 years doing competitive intelligence in different places. So that's, that's how it happened. Amazing. So a true passion for you then? Oh yeah. Uh, that, that's for people who work with me or are working with me. They know how, how much I love competitive intelligence. And it's not about intelligence, by the way, it's about competitive strategy. It's how we can leverage the knowledge we have about the market competitors, their strengths, their weaknesses and beyond to shape our own strategy to win in our markets. So that that's the most important thing, how to link that intelligence with our strategy, our decisions to make sure that we are winning. So, Got you. So this podcast is all about helping people new to CI flourish and really start seeing an impact from the work they're doing in competitive intelligence quickly. Uh, maybe they feel overwhelmed, they're not quite sure how to get started. Um, eager to demonstrate results from the work they're doing, but not sure what direction to go in first. So, um, so Fouad, when someone goes about setting up a compete program for the first time, where would you advise that they start? Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is business need. Where is the need coming from? And when we're talking about starting somewhere, well, start, start where we are. <laughs> I mean, if it's coming from marketing, for example, uh, and let's say product marketing, because it is something, let's say we need to compare and we need to know exactly uh, how we uh, position ourselves against competitors. This is where you need to start. Sometimes it's coming from more sales. And when it comes from sales, it's more about battle cars, uh, win rates, win loss and things like that. But 
at the end of the day, start where you are. In my experience, it worked a lot when it was starting from product management. It was starting from business strategy. And sometimes it was even the CEO or the leadership team wanting to have a CI practice within the organization because they wanted to understand exactly what has what was happening out there and to leverage that to uh, score more points. So maybe my advice is wherever you are, start where you are and start building from there. Uh, uh, yeah, this is, this is maybe the first uh, advice I would give people. Uh, over time, I mean, you, you will be able to expand to other needs and other teams, but uh, you have to start small. Uh, there's no uh, secret, no large budgets for competitive intelligence usually. So you have to to do with what you have. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great advice. And presumably, you know, starting starting where you are, that informs everything, right? It informs the, the deliverables that you're going to be looking at. Um, as you say, for sales, battle cards, um, enablement content, um, and then for marketing, presumably, presumably other stuff too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, and it's, it's, it's very fundamental question. Let's say, uh, I felt, I know that I felt lost when I was starting and I was starting my program and thinking, okay, what kind of information they're looking for, where it will be used and who am I going to talk to, to present to, etc. So it was like completely fuzzy. And to make sense of it, I had to build it myself, let's say, whether it's uh, uh, stakeholders or teams I'm talking to or the deliverables or name it, everything. And I believe that until now, and we have, thankfully, we have a lot more content on competitive intelligence, compete programs, we have tools and everything, but it's still a question coming back to, uh, to hunt us uh, as CI professionals. And I know people telling me that they were or they are struggling to build their CI uh, program. There, there, there is, there is, there are a few key points you have to handle. Uh, let's say, as I mentioned, the budget, the timeline, delivering value first to ask for anything after that. The team, whether you're going solo or having a team, usually you're going solo. It's one person, and sometimes it's martial <laughs> activity. You have to do other things. But if you are going to build a team, who are you going to bring to that team? And uh, uh, stakeholders also, uh, who are you going to uh, talk to as promoters or as consumers of that intelligence? So there are a few aspects you have to handle, but uh, start small. Don't try to do everything at the same time at the beginning because you will just uh, be tired of it. So start where you see there's the most value you can bring to the organization. If, if, if they really want to know what are the three, four key elements you can leverage against a competitor, because this is what they don't have. This is where you have to start, start there. And you can think about side by side, so deeper uh, analysis after that. But yeah. Mm. So um, this this may be too, too broad of a question, but just to give people um, some context, like let's say someone's going um, going about creating a CI program um, and they're on their own, you know, it's, it's the, the, the only person in the CI team, or, um, maybe it's, it's just a part of their role, um, uh, you know, as, as part of a product, larger product marketing function or something like that. Um, and as I say, it might be too broad of a question, like maybe they're, they're, the processes look different, um, depending where you find yourself as, as you alluded to earlier, but, um, just to give some context, like what would you say if you can, um, 
just breaking the process down into a number of sort of key steps so that someone listening to this can can kind of visualize what the overall look like an overview of the creation process for the CI program. Uh, sure. Well, uh, let's say I, I, I like the, uh, I love the sequence that I apply uh, purpose, priorities, productivity. And you start with the purpose. Why are you there? Uh, uh, what, is, what is the vision for competitive intelligence? For example, you can just set a, a big, audacious, hairy goal or the hack that says more the opposite, big, hairy, audacious goal to, 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 to make your organization an intelligence-driven one. And this is, that might sound bold, but this is basically what a lot of teams are here for, to make sure that the organization is an intelligence-driven one. And I make the distinction between data and intelligence because the data you receive is dumb. I mean, there is no processing, there is no analysis. You don't make sense of it. You just receive it. And you have so many data points, you cannot even follow that. So the value, the real value of a CI team or CI person is to make sense of all those data points, to transform it into intelligence insights and recommendations, most importantly, to the organization. So first is the purpose, then priorities, because you don't have all the resources, forget it, and budget and things like that. So you have to prioritize what you are working on from day one. That's really important. Get organized from the beginning. Priorities, you set, let's say, the conversation with people will tell you exactly what are the priorities for the organization, by the way. Uh, so start talking with a lot of people, uh, your managers, your peers, uh, other teams, uh, key stakeholders to understand their reality and ask them what exactly is missing in terms of intelligence when you're fighting against, uh, not even especially measuring a comp specific competitor, but not to get lost in my ideas, the purpose, defining that uh, vision, then priorities, you define your goals and OKRs, by the way. You do that for, to, to make sure. And then when it comes to productivity, you have tools to do that. One of the best tools I, 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 I use is a Kanban board. You can use any tool out there, but if you have your Kanban, you have your funnel, you know what are the requests or ideas, the backlog, which you limit because you don't have a limited resource of the work in progress, what is ready for validation and then what is shipped or done, at least you have a picture of everything that you are working on. So you're not lost in many requests, etc. Because this is what can happen to a lot of people starting their CI program, they can feel very quickly overwhelmed. I mean, especially if you have a lot of, uh, a little bit of success, people will come to you with the request and it's more requests, more requests. If you, let's say, if we just take those requests and say, we will get back to you, we're done <laughs> because we will never see the light again. So we have to prioritize. We have to learn also to say no. So prioritization is a keyword. We have the purpose, prioritization, and productivity on a daily basis. You see exactly what's in, what's out, and things like that. And you give yourself some a timeline. Let's say, I, it's not a rule, but I call it, to say, the first 100 days of CI program. And for politicians, it's like first 90 days or something like that. Maybe for me, it's 100 days. You have to have your program up and running in less than 100 days. Why? Because you have to show value very quickly. It's not just to show off or something like that, but you have to start delivering that value. So when I was saying starting small, you can start with a brief, a competitive brief that you do 
on a bi-weekly basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, depending on the pace of the organization. But once you start with something, an output, and you deliver and you improve it, you iterate with people, and people will tell you, well, this is too high level, this is too detailed, this is not at all what we're looking for, good. We're starting to optimize. We're starting to develop that relationship and trust with our stakeholders. So this is what I mean by saying, start where you are. So you are within a team, you start with one deliverables, you deliverables, you deliver it, you iterate, you add another deliverable, uh, uh, let's say, depending on your bandwidth, your team and things like that. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, give yourself a year to have it, uh, uh, let's say, uh, to have enough feedback and results about the, 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 the program, but you have to give yourself a hundred days or less to have it up and running. I mean, the sources identified, your gathering, uh, intelligence gathering tools are already there and you're starting to deliver uh, on those uh, those uh, outputs. Cool. Hopefully it helps more initial. Yeah, of course. Like, I think I think there's so much to unpack there. I think, um, you know, I hear that from, from that from a lot of experts. You know, it's crucial to get that feedback loop up and running to start iterating on the deliverables so you can start to hone in really on what what the business need is and what people um, need from you and, and in terms of how you can start offering value. Um, you mentioned data there as well at the beginning. Um, and I, th I think that's a good one to dive a little bit more into because I think um, something that, that people do struggle with is, you know, they're depending, especially if you've, whether or not you have a, a, a piece of CI software, doing some of the data gathering for you and, and so forth, you're either going to have this this situation where there's so much data coming in all the time, it's quite difficult to bucket it appropriately and then do that crucial thing of prioritizing it and, and figuring out what, what you're going to pay attention to and uh, and what's not worth it or all coming in where there's there's been no preliminary work done at all and, you know, it's on you to gather everything and, you know... Um, all of the data is disparate and it's, you know, in different people's heads or maybe it's inside the CRM and, and you know, that's all you have access to and you're not sure how to get at it. Um, maybe we can break down each of those different scenarios, like having having a, a lot of data and not being sure how to organize it and, and not having enough and, and figure out where to get it and how to centralize it. Um, would you have any tips for people who find themselves in those situations? Sure, sure. Uh, and, and thanks for this question. I think it's another crucial question uh, because uh, being overwhelmed is a lot also about the data available because uh, you have data you will collect yourself by setting up your tools, the cell platform. Then you have some great tools out there to gather uh, intelligence. Let's say you, whether it's an RSS or uh, from social media or something like that, depending on your uh, organization uh, focus. So first you have to, uh, to, to, uh, to identify those tools, to set them up uh, and, and define your sources. So you will start to receive some volume of news and uh, data about, I don't know, whatever they are doing on their website, their product, their pricing, their uh, GTM overall and things like that. But you have a lot of data and you mentioned it and it's important, which is available internally or it is coming from the field. So you have everything about research and your uh, your tools, but you also have data coming from people you're working with. And that information, you have to know exactly what is available 
And when I say from people, it's also your CRM because they document things in the, the CRM usually or not. And this is another question. You have to work with people to make sure that they're uh, documenting that. But uh, the information or data points available internally, it can be a conversation they had with a customer and they shared with them a lot about what, what the other guys were trying to do and how they are trying to uh, displace them. So it, it's, in, it's easier, let's say, to go uh, set up those tools and do, do some research and gather available data on the internet and some things like that. It's kind of more complicated and more important to have it from the field. So you have to develop those relationships with that salespeople. That's for sure. The sales team, BDR, uh, account managers, uh, marketers, let's say uh, the large marketing team, let's say it's not just a product marketing. So identify the different teams you have in, in inside the organization. Identify the uh, champions, if I may, may call it this way, for CI. So you have inside any organization people who are uh, excited about CI. Without asking them anything, they are already sharing competitive intelligence with people inside the organization. So you have to identify those people because the goal is to federate all the, that uh, intelligence energy inside the organization from sales, from product management, from engineering, from everywhere. And you make sure that you are in the loop. So all those data points coming from, I don't know, everywhere, you are capturing that as centralizing everything uh, and they're the placeholder for any competitor or something like that. It depends on your system. So some companies are more, let's say, using, uh, if you are more technical confluence or things like that to consolidate everything. Others are using CI platform to consolidate everything. Good, whatever works for you. But those data points, let's say you have external coming from the research and documents, etc., and you have internal coming from people and CRM. Sometimes CRM, you have to work with people to make sure that uh, it's, it's, it's better documented because you don't have enough data there. And it's fine. If you don't have it, you don't have it, fine. Uh, you have also win-loss data. You can, you can uh, have either it's already available in CRM or you have a, a win-loss program. By the way, CIT uh, can own that program and can uh, start it. This is what happened in the past in few places I worked for. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would say field intelligence and intelligence coming from teams, from uh, internal tools, the volume is more important usually. The problem is that we don't get there uh, as much as we go searching through those tools and platforms, etc. So it's important to keep it in mind. So that's why I'm telling you it's... It, it's a very good point that you're mentioning here. So m map those data points and build on top of that. So, or courses, I would put it this way. Cool. Um, and I know one thing um, you brought up in our conversations before this was um, stakeholder management strategies. Mm -hmm. um, so just off the back of like, what we've spoken about so far, I'd be really interested to get your thoughts on that um, in terms of, you know, you're working with salespeople, BDRs, etc. Um, to try and get access to some of that field data. Um, may maybe some advice on, on how to get more buy-in, um, 
and more interest from from people who you know you need to develop these relationships with um but perhaps they don't believe in the utility of ci right away uh, and you by the way you have that <laughs> sometimes let's say upfront people not believing in the value brought by the ci team or something like that let's face it we live in a real world not ideal world ideal world they all agree and they all love it the real world is that some will just not uh, believe in it they don't believe in the value and they talk to so many customers that they believe that they have it they know it and the reality is that it's just a piece a part a portion of the information available out there so when talking about stakeholders uh, management strategy or things like that let's say take a step back map the organization who's who in the organization as i mentioned before who are the champions who are people open to talk to a ci or about ci because they believe in that you start there and you have to work with uh let's say teams leaders and team members also so it's not just a buy-in of managers because if the manager agrees with you but the team doesn't agree or they don't want to do the work let's say to help you with CI, well, you're not going anywhere. If you have the buy-in of the team, but the manager tells them, well, you don't have time for that. So you have to work on your, your things. So you're not going anywhere. So you have to work on, on, on the managers or leadership plus the teams. So it's what we call the uh, grassroots, grassroots approach at the same time. So you have the buy-in of managers. So when they have their meetings, team meetings, etc., the manager is here to remind them and to ask them to support the process can be asking or it can be, let's say, documented to be part of their goals, for example, OKRs. That's something that we deployed previously in, in, in previous places uh, uh, I worked with as a consultant or as, as an employee. Uh, and the other thing is to have the team on board also. And uh, to have the team on board, you have to bring something to the table before asking for anything. And to speak the same language. I mean, if you're high and you are with the sales team, I mean, you have a problem here. Because they are, and they say it gladly, and I love the way they are because they say it like it is. If it's not good, it's not good. If it's good, it's good. So first step, I would say map your stakeholders. Define who are, let's say, promoters or naysayers. You will have those. It's realistically speaking and neutral. And there, there is a good saying in baseball. I think uh, the coach was saying uh, uh, to to uh, let's say, okay, I will put it this way: in any baseball team, you have a, a third of the team loving you. The third do not care about you, and the last third uh, hate you. Your goal is to make sure that those who hate you and those who do not care about you do not become friends because you have the majority not liking you and you are in trouble so this is a saying it's not like this as uh as uh, uh in real life but you have to make sure that in reality the naysayers are not just uh, uh jeopardizing your chances to deploy the program and to provide that value to the company because of several reasons but ideal in reality i'm not uh idealistic in terms of uh, human interactions so yeah map all those um, then start the conversation with managers and teams 
how you start the conversation by bringing something to the table. What is that something that you bring to the table? Well, as I mentioned before, it can be a competitive brief. It can be a side-by-side -side comparison. It can be a battle card. It can be a win-loss analysis. It can be anything that is valued by the organization. They are not expecting it, but when you show and you tell them, hey, by the way, we are iterating, we want to improve it, and we are working together. We are in, on the same team. At the end of the day, it's the same logo. So let's help each other out. I'm here to help you with whatever we can find and analyze. I'm here to give you some suggestion or recommendation whenever we can. And I need you to help me to do that. So tell me if it's accurate. Tell me if you need more, if you need maybe less, something like that. And it's about conversation. And you build trust over time. So at the beginning, maybe if you are a newcomer in your, an organization, you might struggle because people do not know you. And you're just coming to say, hey, this is what we know. And they know maybe probably more than you. I say it gladly. I say it. I know that you know more than me. My goal is not to know everything. My goal is to make sure that whatever the organization know or knows about a competitor or the competitive landscape, we capitalize that. We strategize that. So I can have that knowledge from you, from here, from the platform, uh, from Winloss, name it. At the end of the day, I have my output, which represents the most accurate picture of all the knowledge we have. And it won't be perfect. It will never be perfect. So build a relationship and trust once you identify your stakeholder. Uh, it takes time, but uh, when it's here, you can have very good results. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's all, that's all great advice. Like starting with the, starting with the humility, um, you know, like uh, leading with the fact that, that it's an iterative process and you're there to help and you're going to improve on it w with time. Um, and also, I guess that, that speaks to the importance of, of something like a competitive brief or a competitive newsletter um, to communicate the successes as you get them early on um, with those people who perhaps um, doubt you early on. And I would add to it, when I'm talking about conversation, it's super important. Uh, you mentioned newsletter, and if I have the choice between presenting the brief or saying, I prefer presenting. And it's not about presenting. At the beginning, I say, if you have any questions or something like that, bring it. If you have something to challenge here, challenge. My ego is not invested here. What I want is to make sure that is accurate. So if you have any data points you want to bring here, bring it. Because this is what we want. So... You bring the conversation, you give the platform to people to exchange and to talk about things. That's way better than sending a newsletter. You don't have any interaction. So when we're talking about building trust, they might build trust with the platform sending them the newsletter, but not with you as a professional. So you, you see what I mean? When there's no interaction, there's no trust, there's no sharing. And that sharing is crucial for the success of the program. So you have to, to get that uh, 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 trust. And uh, th th there will be some tough times because it can be challenging. We can be wrong and it's fine. Uh, we can be in situations where we don't know, we don't have the answer and it's fine. There is a simple answer to that. I don't know. I will do some research. I will get back to you. Okay. And it's a balancing act also because if you have a little bit of success and people like what you're presenting, they will ask you a lot more. 
Now, at some point, you have to understand that you have to say no. You have to, 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 to be mindful of your own bandwidth and the bandwidth of your team and resources and things like that. So it's a balancing. Let's say you bring it, uh, the brief or analysis or something like that, you have a format. If you want to go beyond that, it depends on the business needs and priorities of, of the organization, not of individuals. So always tie it back to the business need of the organization. Whenever you have a new request from an individual, because sometimes it's just one case, it's just one deal. So you don't, you don't let's say, uh, lose sight of the goal well, and, and go chase the ball. Let's say when you're playing soccer, this is uh, sometimes what happened with the seven years old uh, boys going after the ball, but they are forgetting where they have to score. So this is something we have really have to, to keep an eye on. And this is important because I saw it so many times and I fell for that sometimes in the past also. Uh, there, there's urgency and importance and priority. Let's say and everything is priority and it's not true. It's never the case. So you have to get back to what I was mentioning before when you organize your program to see these are our priorities. Whatever comes after that, we will try to prioritize. We will discuss it internally, but we don't have any commitment for that because if we commit on this, we're not delivering on the highest priorities for the organization. So, uh, I, I can go on for hours, but it's a lot, it's, it's all about value. It's all about the value we're delivering to the organization and the highest value comes first. This is for me. I see very well because of that. If I know that I'm working on the most valuable things for the company, the organization or my customer. Uh, in consulting, uh, this is what I'm looking for. The rest, for sure, we will not make uh, only friends. For sure, some people will be frustrated or unhappy because they expected uh, us to say yes and to do things and we just said, well, it's not going to happen. Not because we don't want to, but let's be realistic. Uh, and this is the reality of the CI person. They need to uh, be comfortable with that and not feeling the pressure or receiving all the pressure of all requests received. Uh, many requests, we have to refuse them. Uh, we don't have any choice. So. I guess this comes back quite nicely to, to, to where we started with, um, you know, starting where you are and, and thinking of the business need first um, and getting um, getting clear on, on what the OKRs are um, for the business as a whole so that, you know, it's quite easy, even if you're new, um, and you get, you know, a request from an individual to say, you know, hey, I'm sorry, but that doesn't tie in with, you know, the 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 vision that, you know, the people higher up have for the business as a whole and have to respect that. So, yeah, yeah no, it's uh, the yoga side of competitive intelligence is super important. I think it's 70% uh, of competitive intelligence overall or compete uh, program overall. And the rest is information you get from uh, RSS or uh, social media feeds or something like that. It's really, uh, it's really crucial. So we've talked about, um, talked about sort of challenges for a while. When it comes to getting results, what, what metrics would you say people should use to kind of measure and demonstrate um, their success with their compete campaign? Yeah. Um, you, ha you have both uh, qualitative and quantitative. And when it comes to compete, it's a lot about, uh, quantitative insights and things like that, but you have to be able to uh, measure whatever you're doing. So you have 
I was imagining before, you, let's say your vision and the hack, and you have OKRs. And it's simple. I set OKRs for the year. I set OKRs for the quarter. And I have OKRs for the month. And this is me, by the way. I'm not advising that to everyone. But OKRs, you have objectives and key results for those who are not uh, familiar. But uh, the objective is where you want to go. And the key, key result is how you get there. Let's say, if you want to enhance the awareness of stakeholders inside the company about competitor X or competitors and things like that, this is the goal. Now, how to get there? I mean, you have to deliver. What are your deliverables that say to say clearly that you achieved that goal? Uh, it's having uh, 24 uh, competitive briefs delivered to uh, or presented, uh, win-loss analysis delivered to people, let's say on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis, or a yearly basis, depending on the company. So you have goals that say where you want, where you want to get and you have your key results, let's say specific results. One thing I do is at the beginning of the year, as I mentioned, I define those OKRs and I want them to be uh, measurable at the maximum. Some of them will not be measurable, but if I take an example for uh, uh, how to say uh, delivery, uh, talking about competitive alerts, uh, it's about how, uh, let's say, what is really important for people, they can't ignore it, but you have to have a minimum number of alerts you're delivering to people, whether it's via Slack channel, you can create a Slack channel, uh, or another place, uh, you know, on, on MS Teams uh, and other places. But you have to have a number of uh, of of, uh, of alerts you deliver. And while I'm thinking like this, you can have goals for the year and you can have habit-forming goals or, or key results. So you can set bi-weekly, uh, sorry, or week on a weekly basis, you deliver at least two alerts, three alerts. This is to reinforce the uh, fact that we are, or the activity or efforts to go and monitor what is happening, not to fall behind in terms of knowledge. So on a weekly basis or on a daily basis, you go and see exactly what's happening. If you identify anything as an alert, you push it to the right stakeholders. This is a good exercise when I'm more than a new team member, for example. Uh, and briefs, if I want to quantify, I mean, if it's on a monthly basis, you have 12 competitive briefs. If you want to know the feedback people um, uh, uh, have about your competitive briefs, etc., you can set up an NPS score and you have your score you start with. And over time, you, you set your, to yourself goals about a certain level of NPS, let's say 60 uh, for NPS, and you are at 40, so you have 60 by quarter two or something like that about CI deliverables. And I can, I can go on about, about this kind of uh, uh, OKRs. I mean, there's a whole list of that. Will loss uh, also, I mean, uh, the, the analysis you deliver or the interviews you can perform or the win rates you can help with. Uh, do you have some platforms that say helping to define how much revenue was influenced by the battle cards you created or something like that? So you can create by, you can start by the number of battle cards you're creating, uh, top three competitors, let's say in Q1, top 10 competitors in uh, the first half of the year or something like that. At least you can track it over time. I mean, after six months, if the top 10 competitors battle cards are not there, well, we have a problem. I mean, I can track that 
if uh, in six months, I mean, we skip two competitive breeds and I know that it's important for people, we have a problem there also. If we're not sending any alert, knowing that things are happening in the competitive landscape, that also is, is, uh, is, is, is a problem. But most important that, than that is the value. It's not uh, the volume of uh, reports and things like that. It starts with volume because you have to ship value all, uh, all the time. But inside those reports, what value are you bringing? And you have specific OKRs or uh, goals and uh, key results for the value you put in any CI output. And this is more qualitative. And when you have... when when you have experience in, in that and you have your team or for yourself, you can see, well, this was valuable. This was nice to know, something like that. So strategic importance useful. And you want to increase the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, um, the value of your output by focusing on what is strategic, not just dumping any, uh, uh, news into your report or something like that, because you want to make your numbers. It has to have, uh, that real value for the organization. So to your point about metric, uh, you set your goals and uh, key results, but those needs to be aligned with the organization's goals and key results. So what the company is trying to do, and from there, you define your own goals. So you're not doing that in vacuum. Let's say just, hey, you have information in, analysis out. No, it has to be tied with product strategy, with the uh, GTL strategy, sales objectives, what they were trying to achieve. This is how you can, let's say, be aligned with the organization overall. So in terms of metrics, I mean, it's a whole uh, conversation in itself about uh, competitive intelligence. And I know it's fuzzy because it's challenging uh, to quantify some of the uh, results we provide. It's a lot about uh, quality. Uh, maybe... One of the metrics is uh, the satisfaction of your stakeholders, feedback you receive. Uh, you can set up an NPS score or CSAT. Or uh, some of the, our friends in the CI community talk about a sales confidence score. This can be uh, one of them. But yeah, find out what is uh, what resonates more with your organization and leverage the tools you have internally. If you have, let's say, a... Uh, an engagement tool used internally to survey people about their satisfaction or something like that on a regular basis, you can leverage that to add just for CI deliverables or CI team, what is your level of satisfaction, uh, improvements and things like that. So yeah, I can go on, as I mentioned, each, each topic you're bringing, I can go on for hours for that, but uh, I want to be, uh, let's say, as concise as I can. Yeah, that's great. I think um, I really like those ones, the the NPS score, um, the um, sales satisfaction score, because it's something you'll be able to see rising, hopefully, um, you know, quarter to quarter or month to month um, as you continue delivering. And I, I think um, I think people will find that super useful as well as like early on judging yourself by your output, like identifying what's useful, um, whether it's the, the competitive briefs and, and delivering a certain number a month producing battle cards and making sure you're doing that, setting some KPIs and just seeing those numbers get hit so that you know that the things that you are, you have under your control in terms of the output of the enablement content and stuff like that, you know that you're hitting it so that you know that, you know, 
you're doing the things that need to be done to drive those those scores up over time. Um, well, it's 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 uh, confidence builders for the team also. So you have clarity and consistency in value delivery for the teams, and you build on top of that. So the volume, as you mentioned, you know that you have twelve contributors. Okay, I'm gonna do it. It's not a big deal, you know. And you organize yourself to do that. You have alerts. You're going to do it. And over time, I mean, uh, yeah, it will be more sophisticated than that. But uh, NPS Core, what I try to do is ask as much as I can about from one to ten. Let's say, even if I'm doing a conference out there outside, I used to to uh, inject it in my presentation and to say at the end, it's NPS time. So from one to ten, just tell me, and I'm gonna show it to you right now. And the feedback people are saying what worked well with the presentation or not. So one comment I received, I think uh, last uh, last time it was two years ago, I was presenting, and at the end they said it's great, but it's too long. So I'm gonna be short here in my in my comment just to avoid that. Okay, um, just before we end, then let's talk about the role of the customer in CI because you hear about you know practitioners practitioners getting getting really obsessed with competitors and and kind of losing sight of. Um, what arguably is most important, which is what the market really wants. So um, the role of the customer in CI, how important are they? Uh, th there are two things. The customer as a source of intelligence and uh, customer, I wouldn't put it as a stack, but uh, as, as how to say, when we're talking about, for example, we lost, why we win, why we lose, against competitors, uh, customers will bring a lot of intelligence, but all that intelligence is will go back to customers. So the way to put it, you receive intelligence from customers either directly or stats. And the way I see it is also bringing whatever we learn from that intelligence back to the customer. Uh, when, let's say, okay, we're talking about specific feature in a product. It's not working very well. We heard it from the customer. We worked with product and engineering and sales, etc. This is previous company I worked for. Uh, and then the feature was uh, fixed, let's say. And it was working. And we went back to the customer. And the customer said, oh, that's great. I mean, at least first you, you listen to me. Second, you fix that uh, feature. Uh, and the feature, by the way, why I'm talking about that, you, you might ask uh, what competition has to do with that. It's because we were competing on that feature and the other competitor was trying to just leverage to say, hey, we do it better than them. You know, and by the way, their feature is not that great. Here's how you can differentiate. So the customer was, I mean, they are saying they can do it better. So yeah, it was fixed. We came back to the customer and the customer uh, was happy about that and uh, Finally, we were able to keep the customer because of that. Uh, simple feature, it's not a big deal. But uh, it's, it's how to say, it's a lot of gathering of intelligence from customers or about customers. And it's also the conversation that can follow after that. And this might be a little bit philosophical here because Sometimes we say gathering intelligence, analyzing, and giving recommendation is stops there. But when it goes back to that conversation I was talking about, conversation internally 
but also external stakeholders, whether it's customers or partners. But if we focus on customers, it's a continuous conversation. So you have to also consider the feedback customers giving you after you gathered intelligence from, from them. And you did something about it or not, and what the customer is saying after that, because they will give you even more intelligence about how it was perceived, how it worked, how competitors adapted to that, and things like that. So the conversation with the customer is also uh, very important in the CI uh, program. I know it's not as uh, deployed everywhere, but we 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 can gain more in uh yeah, in, in involving uh, customers, not just as one step of gathering intelligence and goodbye, but involving them in the process even after the fact. Let's say, to say okay, we have a competitive problem, we fixed it. Uh, how do you feel about that and how competitors, let's say, are adapting to that? You can hear it from them or from other places. But uh, just keep it in mind, let's say, uh, it's, not, it's not just uh, one transaction with the customer. It's a conversation that you have to keep. Uh, on a regular basis to understand. And the most simple one is uh, win-loss, when we're talking about win-loss and win-back and things like that. So we ask questions, we receive answers, we act upon it or not, depending on whether it's strategic or not. So anyway, I, I don't know if I answered correctly to our question, but uh, to me, and I don't want to give a very global answer, the customer is crucial. I mean, okay, we know that, but how? It is important. The, the, the most known one is gathering, but uh, I go beyond that. I try, at least in many places I work for, our customers try to go beyond just getting information from them and give them to their uh, problems. Hmm. No, that's super interesting. Like I don't, I don't think, I don't think we hear people talk about that um, enough. Really, um, that that step of once you've spoken to the customer once and, and now you've taken it internally and you've started working on, on you know, their feedback and then going back to them and continuing the conversation as, you know, a continuing source of intelligence. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it depends on the organization, but we have to push for that also because it's not something, uh, not, not conventional, but not something a lot of people are used to involving the CI team in the process uh, uh, let's say in the follow-up process and things like that. So it it whether it's sales or product or UX or another team or marketing talking to the customer, the interaction or the involvement of the CI team is somehow limited, and we have to increase that involvement end to end to make sure that I mean whatever was gathered, analyzed, and strategized has had an impact. There you have it, folks. Thanks once again to Fouad Benyou for coming on the show and sharing his insights with us. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you can be alerted when we release the next episode.